0: I don't know this week uh, whether you were as excited as I was about Friday's solar eclipse. I was so excited by it. It was like I was getting ready for it. I'm a teacher, so I was going to my kids at school. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be brilliant. The, the Earth's going to go black. The birds will stop singing. Um, and I'm particularly interested in stuff like that because I, I, I teach photography and art, and so mainly I teach photography at the moment. So it's kind of, the ch- you know, they're talking on the on the telly about kind of pinhole cameras and things like that. So that's kind of. Yeah, really cool. Um, but what a le- letdown it was! It was such a letdown, wasn't it? I was like, "Can you put the um, slide up of the solar eclipse?" I mean, just so you know, that's what one should look like, yeah. So that's a solar eclipse. What we saw on Friday was grey. I think that's kind of—I couldn't even see the sun in the sky. It was awful, wasn't it? Um, but even with that letdown, even with the kind of the whole thing of well, it was—it was pretty puny, wasn't it? Um, it still makes you realise. It makes you think for a second. Just how small your life is and how almost it makes you feel quite insignificant compared to other things that are going on, doesn't it, in the universe. Uh, just recently I, I, I was watching a, a Horizon BBC programme about how scientists think our solar system was formed and you know, they, they find new information about every six months and they would found this new information saying how the solar system had been formed. And at the end of the programme, the narrator said this, and I, and I quote, ending up with our solar system was just a fluke. It was a lucky roll of the dice. It is amazing that we survived at all. And, uh, and I was, it was about half ten at night, and I was gobsmacked by this comment. Um, so much so that I was almost shouting back at the TV, no, it, it's, it's not true. We're not an accident. We're, we're not here by accident. It's not chance. It's not a fluke. Um, just Also, on Friday, the solar eclipse day, here's another amazing fact for you. Did you know that the reason why we get solar eclipses is because, I've got to get this fact right, is because the, the moon is 400 times smaller than the sun but it's also 400 times further away from uh, the sun than we are. So you end up, get or, or something like that, so it ends up blocking out completely. Yeah, That's the reason why we get it. And the, the person on the radio was going, it's just an accident that that happens. I mean, it's just a cosmic coincidence. And you're like, it's not a cosmic coincidence, it's God's creation. And so I was like, what? Um, and I think, I think that's because actually deep, deep down inside of me, but I think deep down inside of all of us, there's actually a longing. Uh, a desire to believe that we're not created by an extreme accident. But that actually we're created for something more than that, that we're created for a purpose. Ecclesiastes 3 puts it like this, that God has put eternity into our hearts. He's put eternity in our hearts. In us, there's a desire and a hunger for more, that actually kind of, you look at stuff like that and you go, yeah, I'm insignificant, but actually I feel like my life's been created for something. And we all have a, a need in us to make our life count for something. Yeah, you see this celebrity culture that we live in, because people want to make their lives feel like they're counting for something. And we want to be happy, right? We want to be happy. Happiness drives us in all that we do in life. And Blaise Pascal uh, wrote, wrote this uh, quote, and I think it, it, it really sums this up. All men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all attend to this end. The, the cause of some going to war and others avoiding it is the same in both, attended with different views. The will never takes the least step but to this object. This is the motive of every action of man, even those who hang themselves. So even the person who hangs themselves is actually they're looking to be happy. They're looking for happiness. It's a universal truth. Everything that we do, everything in us, is driven often is driven by a motive of happiness. We want to be happy. How we do that varies. So for each of us, we, we, we do that in different ways. As I said, I, I'm interested in art and photography, so my, my, my interests drive my happiness in some, in some regards. But it is the root of all of our actions. And in this pursuit of happiness, we centre our lives around certain things. Just like the earth orbiting the sun. You'll see what I've done here. Talking about eclipses, yeah? Just like the earth orbiting the sun, actually what we do is we place something at the centre of our universe and we allow our lives to revolve around it. And so... For some, what we do is we put our work and our career at the centre of our little universe and we revolve around that. Uh, it becomes the centre. For others, it's a relationship and we look for that to make us happy. For some people, it's our children. We look to our children to make us happy. and So what we do is we put them at the centre of our universe and then when they grow up and leave home, actually it starts to, you start to question your whole identity because you've made that thing your centre. And still for others, it might be a sport. Maybe it's a hobby that you do. Maybe it's a habit and you make that central to your life and everything else revolves around it. Whether you know it or not, it's happening. You're revolving around that one thing. And that is really what worship means. Worship means to put yourself uh, so that something else is your centre. It means that you give yourself to something. You say, that's more important than me. I'm going to let my life revolve around that thing. I'm going to place it at the centre of my life so that everything I do orbits around it. And the notion that our lives should revolve around something is actually something that God's put in us. God's, God's created us to feel like and to know that we've, we've got more than just just we're more than an accident. God's put that in us. It says he's put eternity in our hearts, yeah? We're designed to have something at the centre of us that brings us joy and purpose. And God designed that to be a relationship with him. And it's something that, you see, for all of us, we place higher importance on than ourselves. And that's what worship is. We place something at the centre of our lives and we make it most important. So we all worship something, everybody. Everybody worships something. Whether you're a Christian or not, you worship something. But the question really is, it's not what you, wor- sorry, it's not, it's, the question is who you and what you worship. Because everybody worships something. It's not if you worship, but it's what you worship. So for, for, for a Christian, you see, I put, I put Jesus at the centre of my life, and he becomes the sun in which my little world revolves around. He becomes the centre, yeah? And, and I've chosen to put him at the centre of my life. But for other people, they choose to put other things at the centre. But even as a Christian, even as somebody who's been a Christian for, for now years, actually, my affection sometimes can be drawn elsewhere. And that programme I was watching on, on BBC2 talked about how different planets in our solar system sometimes came out of alignment. And actually, what happens is sometimes we can be drifting. We can drift out of orbit. Yeah? We can go off and start looking in other directions, even as Christians, because there are so many things to distract us around us. So really my question today is, how do we keep Jesus as the centre? How do we make Jesus the centre of our, uh, of our lives? How do we keep him there? How do we stop drifting away? And so firstly, what I wanted to look at is, I've got three little things today, classic preach. Yeah, three points for you. The first one is, is that we talk to him. It seems, sounds really simple, and it is really simple. We need to talk to Jesus, yeah? That's how we keep him at the centre of our lives. The Bible says in Psalm 116, as you've got up there now, I love the Lord because he hears me and he answers my prayer because he bends down and he listens. I will pray as long as I have breath. In the Psalms you will find the writers of the Psalms, David and others, writing about their worship and their love for God and also writing a lot about God's character and and who God is. He listens to us. He bends down and he listens. And we can pray as long as we live. That should be our attitude. Our heart should be like the Psalmist. Because prayer is an intimate conversation between ourselves and God. When we pray, we develop our relationship with him. It's like, it's like any relationship that you have, have normally. So the more you spend time with somebody, the deeper the friendship or relationship goes. But also the less you talk to them, the more you feel like you might be slipping out of contact with them. So, for example, when Claire and I first met, we would talk all the time. Yeah? We, we, I don't know if anybody remembers MSN Messenger. Do you remember that? Oh, we were on it. All the time, what you're doing, yeah, what you, uh, yeah, what, sort of what you eating, you know, what did you do yesterday, that kind of thing, and um, we'd be up until three or four in the morning, chatting away about absolutely nothing and everything all at the same time, because we were getting to know one another, and there's that kind of like that that thing, you know, you're getting to know somebody and it's exciting and it's new and it's, uh, uh, but over eleven years things change, don't they? Yeah, so Claire and I've been together eleven years now. Um, and we know what each other thinks on certain things. So sometimes we don't, I don't need to ask her, because I know wh- whether she wants... If I go into the r- front room with a cup of coffee, she'll go, why didn't you make me one? So I know I, I need to take her one as well, yeah? I know that she thinks about certain things. But that doesn't mean that we stop talking to each other. That doesn't mean that we just, we just avoid contact and we assume that we know what each other thinks on everything. So we talk to each other to keep our relationship in check, but also to keep getting to know one another. So often, Claire and I, our conversation will be really stupid and trivial... Um, sometimes actually quite a lot we'll talk more about money you know having a baby it's like money comes up all the time yeah I don't know for you sometimes that can cause tension but you do it anyway because it's important you have to talk about it and sometimes still very rarely we'll have one of those heart to heart conversations so we had one a few weeks ago and we just talked for two or three hours we we talked about stuff that we don't normally talk about we talked about our, our dreams for the future and our hopes and our fears yeah you have those conversations but they maybe come up a bit more irregularly And it shouldn't be any different in your relationship with Jesus. So uh, the reason I'm saying that is actually your relationship with Jesus should be a mirror of that. In fact, our human conversations mirror that connection and relationship we should have with Jesus. That actually, with Jesus, I can can have fun and have a laugh with God. But at the same time, also, I know that actually, I should be able to share anything I want with him as well. Jesus says that in John, that we're his friends. He calls us his friends. And as described in, in Proverbs... Jesus is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, yeah? He's a friend, but he's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. In fact, actually, the Bible describes Jesus as our brother. And so I know that I can talk to him the way that I would talk to my closest friend, because he is my closest friend. And there are some conversations I'll only have with certain people. There's only certain people I let my guard down fully around. Um, And you should be able to be like that with Jesus. You should be able to let your guard down completely. So, uh, but th- there's a difference. There is a huge difference between my relationship with Jesus and my relationship with earthly friends. And that's this, that when I, when I talk to a friend or a f- member of my family about something, it, usually I'm, I'm just looking for empathy or, or a listening ear. I'm just looking for them just to associate and go, oh, that's, oh, I'm really sorry you're feeling like that at the moment, or haven't you had a tough time there, there. Yeah, you're looking for that, aren't you? You're looking for that sense of empathy. And I get that with God. God gives me empathy because Jesus has been through everything I, I've been through. So I, I feel that when I talk to God. But actually, when I talk to God, there's something different. I know that God can actively change my situation. I know that he can step in at any point in time and make a change in my situation. It's not like when I talk to my dad about something going on in my job at work. Because when I talk to my dad who lives an hour away about something going on at work, he can't change anything about it. But when I talk to God, he can change it. And so my relationship with God is completely different because it's dynamic. In, in and actually, I'm talking to the creator of the heavens and the earth. I'm talking to a saviour who loves me and who cares for me. I'm talking to my friend who hears my prayer and can change my situation. Yeah, so it's different. And, and, and actually, it's amazing because God will change your situations as you talk to him. I, I mean, pre- preparing a preach this week with a 10-month-old t- baby and a busy job has meant that Claire and I haven't really had a proper chat a week. Um, we haven't really talk- talked. I mean, I've got home in the evening. I've had, we've had dinner. And then I've just got straight on with this. And so for a whole week, we haven't really spoken to each other properly. Um, And I know that today when church is over this afternoon, um, that all I really want to do is spend some time with her. I want to talk to her, I want to catch up, see how she's getting on. It's not only enjoyable, but it keeps us in each other's orbit. It safeguards our relationship. So when you talk to God, it's not only about just building your relationship with him, but it preserves your relationship with him as well. So my encouragement to you is to to keep praying, to keep pressing in on your relationship with God because it actually keeps you in check with him. It's not just a a way in which you express your love for God, but it's a dynamic, as I've said, a dynamic conversation between yourself and God where you know that he's actively working on your behalf. Another big element of talking to God is also listening to him as well. Um, I'm the worst listener. I'm awful at it. I really struggle with it because it's just... I'm just a bit a bit ADHD, so I kind of if you talk to me, I'll do this. And it's not that I'm not I'm trying to listen, but I And I'm, try, I'm trying to listen, but I really struggle with it. Um, and I, and maybe you're like me, maybe you struggle with this or maybe you're really good at it. But actually we need to listen to God. So when you pray, give time to listen to God as well. Don't just say what you want and then leave the conversation. Because you don't do that. I don't do that with anybody, well I hope I don't do that with anybody here, but you know, don't don't go up to somebody and go, how how are you doing, and then just tell them all my stuff and walk off. Actually what you want is you want a conversation where you've got an exchange going on. So when you go to God, God also wants to talk back to you. Um, And listening to what God is saying to you is just as important as saying something to him. And I think God speaks to us in a variety of ways, and and, and three major ways I'd say are his spirit, his word and his people, Yeah? God speaks to us through his spirit, he speaks to us through his word when we read it, and he speaks to us through his people. And so to hear God, you need to put yourself in situations where you are open to his spirit, his word, and his people. You need to put yourself in those situations. Now, I could go into detail about these. In fact, I actually did go into detail about it, but I don't have time to go into full detail about it um, this morning. Um... But what I want to do is just quickly talk about his people. So, you know, we're we're doing a series on community. It's so important to be part of a community group, if you're not part of one already, because that allows you a connection with other people who are Christians. It gives you the opportunity to hear from them. It gives you the opportunity to hear what God might be saying through them to you. And that's why it's so important that we put ourselves in a group, because it helps you to build relationships with other people. Relationships where they know what's going on in your life. And relationships where they can say, you know what Barney, I think God is saying this to you at the moment. So when I'm facing a difficult decision or I'm wanting guidance, firstly I go to God and secondly I go to his people. Because his people speak to me through him. Yeah? No, he speaks to me through his people. Yeah. Proverbs twelve fifteen says this, The way of the fool seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. The way of the fool seems right to them but the wise listen to advice. I mean, I know lots of children at school who need to hear this verse, yeah? (laughs) Do what they want all the time. They don't listen. You tell them, that's a stupid thing to do, but they do it anyway. That's foolishness, yeah? The wise listen to advice. If we're wise, what we do is we put ourselves in situations where we'll take advice from other people and we'll actually listen to it and we'll act upon it. It's wise to get opinions. It's wise to take advice from others. As you do that, God speaks to you. And it's a major part of our worship to God. It's a major way that you can keep Jesus at the centre of your life. If I know that I'm beginning to drift or in danger of drifting away from Jesus, ever so slightly, I know that I've got friends who are going to give me a good kick up the butt, yeah, and turn me around and say, no, 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 you're getting this wrong. I've put people in my life purposefully. I've got friends, I've got family who will tell me if I'm out of check, and they'll put me back in check again. So have you got anybody like that? Have you put somebody in your life by joining a community group, by actively engaging in relationships at church who actually encourage you in that way? So here's some more questions for you. How often do you pause and listen to God every day? Do you do it regularly? Do you give time over each day to listening to the Spirit and reading the Bible? When you make a decision, do you pause and say, Lord, is there anything that you want to say to me on this? Are you quick to receive direction and encouragement from others? Or do you really avoid getting to know other people? Are you one of those people who kind of just runs out at the end of the meeting every week and you avoid getting to know other Christians? Because if you are, what you're doing is you're, putting your, you're actually putting your, your, your relationship with Jesus in jeopardy as you do that because actually God speaks to us through his people. So secondly, how else do we keep Jesus at the centre? Well, we stick to him. We stick to him. In John 15:4, Jesus says, Remain in me. And I, as I also remain in you. So as Jesus remains in us, He calls us to remain in Him, and and that's an exhortation to us to stick to Him. Um, I don't. I said this to Claire yesterday. She went, "I've never had that, but maybe you have." Um, super glue. Has anybody ever had a problem with super glue? Like, you get it out of the bottle, and you go to glue it on something, and then you get it stuck on your fingers, and your fingers get stuck together, and you get your hands stuck to the thing you were trying to glue in the first place, and then. You've got that stuck to your hand from one hand, and you're trying to get the lid back on the superglue, but as you do that, you squeeze more out, and you're just getting yourself into more of a mess, and you end up stuck kind of together in this horrible mess, and then about three days later, after you, you, you're starting to crumble off your hands again, yeah? Anybody had that? Yes. Is it just me? Good, thank you. It's not just me. Thank you. So, I mean, like, look, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's called superglue for a reason. It's really sticky, yeah? It's like, kind of, clue is in the title, it's really, really sticky, and we need to be even more sticky than that with Jesus. We need to stick to him, yeah? We need to be, we need to be impossible to get rid of from Jesus. We need to stick to him. And, and actually, that, that, that's, you know, part of that is just, there's a spiritual thing that you, you're, you are stuck to Jesus, yeah? Because he saved you out of darkness and he's brought you into light. You're a part of his family. You can't ever go out of that. But there's, there's a, also a thing in that that you need to keep sticking to him as well. Remain in me, yeah? So an older version says, abide in me we need to keep doing that we need to keep ourselves stuck to jesus what am i getting at and what i'm saying is that no matter what's going on in your life that you keep yourself firmly rooted in jesus that he's the first point of contact for you that you're not easily torn away from him i think when i'm in difficult situations it's actually easy to stick to jesus when i'm finding life difficult it's really easy to go to jesus i know oh gosh i'm having a really tough time i'll go to jesus Things aren't going right at the moment. I'm ill. I'll go to Jesus. I've got no money. I'll go to Jesus. It's, it's kind of like, you know, if life's difficult, it almost seems easier to go to him. But what about, what about when we're winning? What about when we've just got that promotion and things are going our way, yeah? And, and life is great and you've just got that new car and that new house. And you think a little bit like maybe I'm a bit invincible. I think sometimes it's then that we might struggle a little bit. And I think actually that's shown through stories in the Bible. You read about King David in the Old Testament And King David, um, he's described as a man who's after God's own heart. And what happens is is he's king on the throne in Jerusalem and during his reign he makes a huge mistake by committing adultery with another man's wife. He sees her and he wants her and he knows he can get her because he's powerful enough. He He ends up getting himself into so much trouble he ends up having her husband killed so that he can hide and cover up his sin that he's committed. And... This doesn't happen when he's not in relationship with God. This doesn't happen, uh, this doesn't happen when he's at his lowest ebb. This doesn't happen when everything's falling down around him. This happens when he's on the throne. This happens when he's actually ruling and he's in power. This happens when he's at the height of his powers. Because actually what he's done is he started just to drift, he started to take his eye off of God and he started to focus on the things around him rather than on Jesus. And, you know, Paul says in the New Testament keep your eyes on what is unseen rather than what is seen. And actually there's that thing that we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus so that we don't get ourselves in situations where we take our eye off of him. You see, it was after the victories were won and David was on the throne, that's when he came unstuck. That's when he began to spin out of God's orbit. And we need to, unlike David, keep remaining in Jesus. We need to keep remaining in him even when we're losing and when we're winning. And I think a big part of that is through being obedient to Jesus. Jesus. We need to be obedient to what Jesus says. And the way that you become obedient to what Jesus says is know what he says. So you need to read his word. You need to know what Jesus says to you. So if you read the Gospels, you'll know what Jesus says. And one, of, one example is from John 15. Jesus says that we need to love one another. In fact, actually, that's the biggest thing that we can do, love one another. As we care for one another and serve one another, we are practically demonstrating our obedience to Jesus. And that's a form of worship. Uh, a story about this. Several years ago, I, I went out to dinner, we went out to dinner with a large group of friends for a birthday, and we sat down to look at the menus and people started to order. There's about 20 people around the table. No one but me had noticed two of our friends. I mean, this is unusual for me because I'm usually like that. I don't really know what's going on. But nobody in <laughs> me had noticed two of our friends and they'd just got married and they got two two kids. No jobs. And they were looking at each other with that look. Because I've had it before with Claire. You know, you go out for a meal with somebody and you go, Yeah, let's go to that restaurant, and then you look at the menu and you're like got money for that they're looking at each other across the table going that's what we're gonna do so I said to them don't worry I'll pay for you because what happened in me at that time was God said to me you need to pay for them and I kind of argued it out in my brain just for a second like oh really I've just got a new job God I haven't got any money myself yet in that moment actually I needed to do it God it was like actually no Jesus says love one another and also, Jesus says I need to be obedient to him. So I was obedient, and I said, look, I'll pay for it. And then God taught me a lesson. He really taught me a lesson. Can you guess what happened next? They chose to buy the best of everything off the menu. <laughs> Fillet steaks, starters. I'm not joking, like, literally. Like, every course, my eyes just dropped a little bit. You can see, like, it was, it was, it was horrific. Like, I, I think like, it took me, like, a month. I had to pay on my credit card, Right? <laughs> This is what it was like. I paid on my credit card for this thing. Because actually what happened was is that actually God was teaching me something. He was teaching me something about grace and giving. He was teaching me something about obedience as well. Actually, we need to be obedient to him. And, 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 and actually in that, he, he taught me a big lesson about giving and generosity as well. And um, Sometimes it costs us to be obedient. Sometimes it costs... I know that that's a really trivial thing. I mean, that's a meal, yeah? And it's funny. But actually, it costs us to be obedient to Jesus. Sometimes, actually, it means we give up something to follow Jesus. We give up a habit or a relationship to follow him. Obedience can be really costly to us, not just financially. Loving one another can be costly. So how else can we be obedient? Well, two, two other things, and these really do relate to worship when we come together. The second one is that we can be baptised. That's, that's actually direct, being directly obedient to Jesus. It shows that we publicly are willing to be obedient to Jesus. It says says to everybody else that we are part of the faith, that we believe in Jesus, that we believe that he died for us. When you get baptised, you recognise that Jesus has died and risen to pay the penalty for your sin and has given you new life. And it's a declaration that you're living a new life in him. Yeah, we we had baptisms recently. And through it, we're publicly declaring that he's our God. We're actively expressing that obedience to him. So, have you been baptised? Because if you haven't, you need to get (laughs) baptised. Because Jesus says to be baptised. Thirdly, when when we come together, something that we do that's in direct obedience to Jesus is that we take communion. And taking communion is another way that we show that we're part of God's family, that we show that we're in the faith, and that it reminds us of his sacrifice for us. It reminds us, you know, Jesus says to do it in remembrance of him. So when we, we take communion, we're actually remembering what Jesus has done for us. And again, that's another way that we show obedience to Jesus. There are lots more ways that we can show obedience to Jesus, but I would say that those three today for you. you know, so next time you come to communion, you're obeying Jesus' word. Thirdly, how do we worship God? How do we keep him in the centre of our lives? Well, we sing to him. Yeah, we sing to him. I love singing. Sing in a minute. Okay, even, when, even every Sunday when we meet together, we usually give around half the meeting. I don't even notice this. We have about half the meeting of worship and half for a talk and a little bit extra on top for kind of notices, so on and so forth. Why do we do that? Why do we sing on a Sunday? Why don't we just turn up, have a preach, go home? Because I think that's what some people would like, yeah? Why do, we, why do we sing? Well, singing is a heart response to what's going on in our heads. It's a heart response to the knowledge that we have. Just go to the charts and you'll find that most songs featured are on the theme of love, yeah? Even those harsh, hardcore gangster rap songs are often just really bad love songs. I'm not going to do an example for you, but they are. They're bad love songs. They, they see love in the wrong way a lot of the time. They just it. But actually, they're love songs. Yeah? And when we sing to Jesus, we are emotionally responding to him. We are singing about our love for him. Singing lo- unlocks emotion in us. And when we sing to Jesus, it's like an emotional response to the head knowledge we have about what he's done for us and how much he loves us. Now, you probably realise that as a worship leader, I don't mind singing. In fact, at school, one of my kids this week went, Sir, you're always singing. Why are you always singing? I just sing all the time and it's quite irritating for people because I'll just sing halfway through a conversation. Um, I can't concentrate without music on. I need to have music on around me because that's just what my, the way that my brain's wired. But more than that, when I'm singing, I'm often singing because it forces an emotional connection with me. It forces me to respond emotionally with something. And I'll sing about anything. And I've got one of those really annoying memories because sometimes I won't be able to remember your name but I'll be able to sing you a line from a song because that's the way my brain works. But uh, because it's actually just an emotional thing going on there as well. I don't know whether any of you have heard Edie, my daughter, in worship. I don't know if you've heard her a few few times now. She'll just, if, if there's music playing, she'll go, Aah! that's singing to her at the moment, yeah? <laughs> it's an emotional response in her to, to something she's hear, hearing. And actually, we like, like that, should be like that with God. We should be making a joyful noise to him because of what he's done for us. So when we come together on Sundays, we should be making a joyful noise. You might be the worst singer in the world. In fact, we were watching The Voice last night, and I think there was a really bad singer on there. Yeah. And in fact, actually, I've stood next to some of you on a Sunday, and you shouldn't apply for The Voice. Yeah, You shouldn't do it. But actually, you should be singing. Because actually, God has put something inside of you that should cause you to sing. It should cause you to sing. Whether you can sing or not, what God has done for you, it requires an emotional response from you. When we come together, we stand here together, we, sing, we should be singing about God's love and grace for us. It should stir emotion in us. When we see words, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. What's he done for us? He died for us. He's paid the penalty for our sin. We should be emotionally responding to that. It should make us want to sing. Psalm 96 that we've got up on the, on, on the screen. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. When we meet together, singing is an essential part of our worship because it stirs our affections for Jesus. It realigns us back on him as our centre. Now, I haven't been to a football match with you or a party, but I'm willing to bet that you'd be willing to sing out at the top of your lungs. And I bet some of you sing more fervently and loudly in your cars when Lionel Richie's on, yeah, than here on a Sunday because there's no embarrassment or shame about it, apart from when you stop at the lights and you're like, dancing on the ceiling, yeah, yeah you know, and, and somebody looks over at you and you're like. Um, now, like on a Sunday, sometimes I look around and people are just like looking at the screen and, and not really, you know, can I encourage you to sing? Because God's put it in us to sing. And we shouldn't be embarrassed about what other people think. In fact, actually, do you know what? That like Actually, God loves it when we sing to him. Whether or not you can sing or not isn't the point. Have a go, make a noise. It doesn't matter if we sound like a cacophony of cats, yeah? But actually, it's about us responding to God emotionally. It's about saying, God, we love you. We think you're amazing. Thank you for what you've done in our lives. Singing is biblical. When Jesus arrived in Jerusalem on a donkey, people began to worship. Hosanna in the highest. And the Pharisees said to Jesus to make them stop. And Jesus said, if they stop, the stones are going to cry out. Yeah? If we don't worship God, if everybody in the world stopped worshipping God, the world itself would start to have to worship God because God deserves a response. God demands a response from us, from creation, because of what he's done. When we sing, we connect emotionally with him. And I know that for me, from time to time, I have to have a good long worship session because I need to connect emotionally with Jesus again. So I'll go off on my own and I'll just worship God. Because I know that actually as I do that, I connect with him. And when we come together on Sundays, it shouldn't be any different. The church in Corinth in the New Testament had all sorts of problems, which is why you get the book of 1 and 2 Corinthians. Um, When they came together in worship, everybody was just trying to say something at the same time so Paul says to them, Paul tries to instruct them, so can't, you know, calm down a little bit. And he says to them, he says, when you come together, look, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. To the Corinthians, he was trying to get them to calm down a little bit because they were overexcited. But can I say it to you to encourage you a bit, yeah? To g you up a bit. When you come here on a Sunday, you need to know that God has given you something, <coughs> God's given you, God might have given you a word. God might have given you a verse. God might have given you something to sing out over other people. God might have given you that, okay? And that's, can I encourage you to do that? Maybe you think, you know, maybe you come and you feel God's given you a word, but you're really not sure because you've never done it before. And speaking out in front of a large group of people isn't your thing. That's why we have an anchor at the front. We have somebody anchoring the meeting. So Malcolm this morning, go to Malcolm and say, Malcolm, I feel God's saying this to me. Yeah, and and sometimes there should be a queue of people harassing Malcolm. Yeah, because God's given us something to say, and actually sometimes as we do that, we're speaking to other people. You might bring something that it unlocks something for somebody. You know, I talked about earlier about how we hear God is through other people. There might be something that God gives you that actually unlocks a situation for somebody, and if you don't bring it, how are they going to hear it? So we need to. Can I encourage you to sing out, to speak out, to pray out? Finally, I just. One of my favourite verses in the Bible is Hebrews 12, 1, and it says this, Let us throw off everything that hinders us, and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. As we live, and as we worship, that's our goal, that we fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the pioneer and perfecter. Yeah? And so, as we come on Sundays, we fix our eyes on Jesus because of what he's done for us. So in a minute, we're going to respond, we're going to sing together, we've got a good 20 minutes to worship together, and I'm hoping to hear your vocal talents, yeah? I'm hoping to hear you sing out. And, but, but I think equally important, it's not just now, it's about next Sunday and the Sunday after that, they're more important in some ways, because actually, then, you know, I'll know that actually maybe what I've said has taken root a little bit in our lives, that actually as we come together, we should be singing fervently to God, because He's what he's done for us. There's a couple of other things though, before we get to that. Maybe through what I've said God's said, sp- spoken to you, perhaps maybe you feel like actually you've drifted from God. Maybe actually you've come this morning and you think, actually, my, my life's not going great at the moment, and maybe this isn't for me because, because I, my life's well out of orbit. You can come back to Jesus today. You can come back to him and just say, God, i got it wrong, and you'll be right back there. Because that's what God does, you see. There's no, there, there's no barrier between us and God anymore. So as soon as you go, God, Jesus, I want to come back to you, you're back. Yeah? You're back. There's nothing stopping us from worshipping God, so you can come straight back to Jesus this morning. So if that's you, if you've been struggling with Jesus um, because you just drifted from him, you can come back to him this morning. Or maybe, as I, sp- I spoke about baptism, you know that you haven't been baptised yet. Can I remind you that Jesus commanded us to be baptised? If you're a Christian, get baptised. It's important that you do it. Um, and if that's you, go to the welcome desk at the end of the meeting and talk to them about when the next baptisms are and when the next baptism inquiry is, because actually that's something that you can do to show your obedience to him. Lord, we we just thank you that you're with us. We thank you that when we come together on a Sunday, you're with us and that we can worship you. We thank you for what you've done in us, Lord, that we can respond through our hearts and our voices and say, we love you, Lord. We love you. And Lord, I pray that you would come and be the centre of our lives again this morning. Lord, I pray where there are people who have, you're you're not at the centre of their lives at the moment. Lord, come and be their centre again today. Lord, I, I pray, Lord God, for each one of us. Come and speak through us now, Lord. Holy Spirit, come and stir up the gifts in your people that... Lord, that we would move in the gifts of your spirit to encourage, to build each other up, to help each other become firmly established in you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for all that you've done in our lives. And Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do in us in the next 20 minutes. Amen. Amen.